We hope that this message will help guide you toward positive, Christ-centered change. By reviewing this podcast, you could be part of spreading the good news. Please also consider giving a donation to our ministry at cometoabc.com slash giving. As always, these messages are available to copy and share on social networks. This morning, uh, if you want to open up your Bible, we're going to be hunkered down in a section of Scripture for the next few weeks. So you can open it up to Matthew chapter 5. If you have a Bible in front of you, you'll be able to, to follow along and, and see this. We're starting a series entitled, The Upside-Down Kingdom. The Upside-Down Kingdom. When Jesus came as the Messiah, He came in a way that was so unusual and so unbelievable to the people who studied Scripture that they didn't recognize who He was at first. And His teaching was so countercultural to everything else that we see in the world. Even today, it's very different. And we're going to be going through some section of Scripture here, the Blessed Are section, the Beatitudes, as many of you know it. And we're going to be looking, kind of pinpointing exactly what those mean. Because as I've done the study in this, I've realized that some of my concepts and ideas of this were a little bit shaded by just the words. It was just shaded by the world. And so I thought, this is really different when I looked at it again and started studying it. The words uh, have such impact and they're so different than what we're used to. So if you want to open it up to to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read it uh, through real quickly and then we're going to go back and we're going to focus on the first one. So it says this, this... One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. And his disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach. And this is what he said. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it kind of difficult, right? But be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits for you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So what we have here is Jesus preaching a sermon. And and we realize that this is a large crowd that he's talking to. The disciples are around him. And it says that he went up on the mountainside. And Matthew Matthew is, is writing this And we have to realize that he's putting these words in order for a purpose. And we don't always see the purpose because we're a different audience. So when we look at the context of what's being said, who Jesus is talking to is 12 disciples. Jesus pulls the 12 disciples together, and those represent the different tribes of Israel. 12. And he has them with him. And this is this is very conscious. Jesus is doing this on purpose. It says he goes up on the mountainside. It was more of a hillside at that point. But Matthew used mountainside to show you that Jesus is taking the place of what Moses did. 
All right? So Jesus is standing up to give a new law. And if you look further in, in Matthew chapter 5, you're going to see that Jesus talks about how he has not come to abolish the law, but to complete it. So what does it mean that Jesus is completing the law? It means that he's adding the information that we've been missing. He himself is the completion of the law. And he's showing us it's not so much what you do, but who you are. So realize, the disciples are are looking at Jesus, thinking he's the Messiah, he's the one who's going to bring the kingdom of heaven, and they think it's going to be established immediately. And so the question that's going through this crowd that are, are there, not just the disciples' mind, but the entire crowd, is this. Will I be good enough to get into this kingdom of heaven? Will I be qualified to get in? Am, am I strong enough? Am I smart enough? Am I whatever? Fill in the blank. How many of you can remember being excluded at some point from something? You know, this year I took my kids to a water park and, and, and one of them was too short, right, to go down the water slide. It's there for safety reasons. So we measured them up. No, sorry, bud, you can't go this year. You're too short. You know, uh, people sometimes look at cars that they want and then they have the reality of looking at their checking account and realizing they can't get that car, right? It's a limiting factor. You can't get that. Other people are, are looking to get a house and they know that they can't get a mortgage. They can't get a line of credit. They can't get in. Some, some of us have had the experience of applying to different colleges and we only get into certain ones and we don't get into other ones because our grades are not high enough. Uh, my, my daughter right now got enrolled into preschool, but she's not potty trained enough to go. <laughs> there are a lot of things that limit us from being a part of something, Right? And sometimes when we walk into a room or into a situation, we just feel it. It doesn't even have to be said that that we're not supposed to be here. We're not included in this. And the world is full of situations. There's competitive situations where you lose and you can't advance, where, where you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, you're not rich enough, you're not whatever, fill in the blank. And so the people are wondering, as Jesus is teaching, am I good enough? Am I going to make it? And this is a question we see kids asking all the time. Even when they're little infants, we talk about self-esteem and building them up and teaching them that they can make it. And so Jesus is about to share with us how we can get into the kingdom of heaven and what he's looking for in order to get the green card and to become a citizen of the kingdom. Deeply important, right? How many of you want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven? Yeah. So this is, this is deeply important scripture, and, and, and they're waiting to hear it. They're waiting to see what they want. And the criteria that Jesus gives sounds so simple. In fact, it sounds super easy until we really look at it and we see that it requires something of us that's very different than what the world requires. It requires, through all of these things, a humility. It requires something different. So Matthew 5, the first one is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who's going to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Who gets in? And realize that this is not just a, I, I, I fit into here, I fit into this one, I don't fit into this one. It's not a pick and choose, a la carte type of thing. What we're looking at here is a criteria for us to get into the kingdom of heaven. 
to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And realize that the kingdom of heaven isn't just when we die, that when we became Christians, when we become Christians, that we enter into the eternal life now. We're in a relationship that's going to go for all of eternity, amen? So we're not just waiting for heaven here. We're not passively waiting. We're not twiddling our thumbs. We are activating the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And, and what we can see is pockets and glimpses of God's glory through the kingdom of heaven touching earth. And that's why church is so important. Church is the hope of the world. The church of Christ is the hope of of the world, because we are left here to do the work of Jesus Christ. He has empowered us through his Holy Spirit, and he has given us all things we need to accomplish the ministry that he has for us. So our task here and now is not to wait to heaven. It's to bring heaven, to bring pockets of it through our actions and through our deeds, but more importantly, through our character and through our attitude. See, Jesus changes, and and instead of looking at just the commandments as a list of do's and don'ts, he says be, be attitude, right? That we're to be this way. And when you are something, you can't help but be that way, right? When you are this, you are through and through within this. So blessed are the poor in spirit. And I used to think this was just talking about people who didn't have financial resources that were poor. But that's not what it's talking about. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And the word blessed is makarios, which is the state of being a partaker of God. The state of experience. Experiencing the presence of God. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to be blessed in that way. He wants us to experience the very presence of God. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? What does that mean? How can we apply that? What does it it do? It it means that the kingdom is upside down. It means that everything is flipped over because if I'm looking for somebody who can be placed in charge of something, if I'm looking for somebody that I want to include in the cool club, I don't look for somebody who looks like their soul is empty. But that's exactly what Jesus says. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the bankrupt in spirit. Have you ever feel like your spirit has just been blown away, that there's nothing left? You ever been there? You ever been in a situation where you feel like your soul cannot go on, that it's empty, that it's run out of resources, that your gasoline tank of life is running on E? You ever been there? Maybe some of you have been there this week. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, I didn't come for the people who have it all put together. I didn't come for the people that have their souls mended and they're just whole and they think they're grand. Because the reality of the situation is we all are empty. We all are empty. It's the people that are blessed are the people that realize that that's where they approach the throne of God with the emptiness that they have. See, by ourselves, we cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. By our own good deeds, we cannot do it. But when we realize that what God is asking us for is not perfection, he's not asking us to have it all together, he's not asking us to be in charge, what he's asking for is us to come to him and say, I don't have anything to bring, but I still want to be a part. Do you notice in life, there are things that we have to have. 
in order to be a part of something. You have to have a GPA this high. You have to have a salary this high. You know, you can't play golf unless you have this much money. You can't do... All of these things are limiters. But in the kingdom of heaven, there is no limiter. What he's saying is we all approach on a flat plane, on even ground. And when we realize that we're empty, that our spirits are empty except for God, He can fill us. He can't fill us until we realize that we're empty. Have you ever had a car that had a broken gas gauge? (laughs) Maybe it was running on full all the time, and you think, oh, I'm good, man. I got, how is this possible? I've still got a full tank, and I've been going all this way, and then, That happened to you on the turnpike. See, see what you had is an illusion of fuel. You had an illusion of being full. And that's what the world provides us through these things. If you know, you got all these accolades, you're built up here, you have all these trophies that you've acquired, whatever they may be, and you think you're all right, but the truth is your gas gauge is lying. It's lying, and eventually you're gonna poof, 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 run out. When we look to the world and we try to measure ourselves by the world's standards, we see that, you know, income has a lot to do with it, that prosperity in our homes and in our families, how well are they doing, what schools do they go to? You know, maybe even we derive pleasure from our sports teams doing well. We have all this criteria that's supposed to build happiness, but it doesn't. It's false. It's fool's gold. What God wants us to do is come to him and realize that we are empty until he fills us with his Holy Spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what that requires? It, it sounds really easy because we, we're all there. We're all really there. We're all really empty. And I don't, I don't care who they are. They, they, they may think that they don't need God, but the truth is put in the right circumstance, they're going to see and wake up to the reality that their gas tank is lying to them. That they're really empty inside. That they're missing something. They're missing a component that is supposed to be there. Because God wants all of his children to be part of the kingdom that is eternal. See, the world is temporary. And the world teaches us to be self-reliant. That, that's what the world wants, is us to have it together, right? To, to look like we're put together the right way. And what God comes and says is something completely different. He says, don't be self-reliant, be God-reliant. Don't be self-reliant, rely on me. And then also in Scripture, we see throughout that we're to rely upon the body of Christ, that we're not called to this faith alone, that our faith merely isn't our own. It is also called to be in community. So we see that blessed are the poor in spirit because they realize it. And this this requires real faith. It requires real humility because it's not easy to say that I'm messed up apart from God's grace. It's not easy to say that I am broken apart from the love of Jesus Christ. But that's what he's requiring of us. That's what it means to be part of the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says, my kingdom is upside down. The world looks for this, but what I'm looking for is somebody who is broken. Somebody who is broken. Is it fun to be broken? No, it's not. 
Is it, is it fun to have your soul put out there and, and shown that it is empty? Not fun. That's, that's not a good and fun experience until we realize that he already knows. <laughs> Do you ever feel that, that, that even in your prayers sometimes you're lying to God just because you're not getting to the real root of the matter, not getting real honest and saying, God, I am a screwed up person. I can't believe I tried to do it my own way. I should have followed your path. I can think of several times, even this week, where that's happened to me. See, God isn't looking, and this is good news for all of us, amen? God isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for honesty. God isn't searching for perfection. He's looking for honesty. Jesus says, in my kingdom, here's what it takes to get a green card. I'm looking for people who feel empty and broken in their soul. People who get upset about the way the world works. These people don't assume that they are owed anything. They want to see good things happen to others. They never shade the truth to get what they want, even if it hurts them. They sacrifice to make peace, and they are willing to be hurt. When, when I read through all of the Beatitudes, and we're going to have a chance to go through this individually, you have to think that the disciples and the rest of the world that's sitting there, you know, the thousands of people that are hearing this, and then the other people who had it repeated to them and read it and heard it, at first when they're reading through this, they look like, Jesus, why do you want a bunch of losers? Why are you searching for losers? And if you look through these things, they're broken in spirit, they're, they're, they're hurting, they're persecuted, they're all of these things. And this is why Jesus is looking for losers, because he came to save the lost. He came to save the lost. Who's lost? Everyone, right? Have you ever been lost before? I remember uh, growing up in... We would drive around in Kosciuszko County. Grew up in Marshall County, but Kosciuszko County, and that's Warsaw and, and that area. And I would go over to a friend's house for the first time. They'd live out in the country, and, uh, and it would be night, and I'd have no idea where I'm going. You ever done that before? And, and I got driving out there, and I wouldn't know where I was going. And what I would do is I would look out over the fields, past the trees, and I would see this glow. And I knew if I headed towards the glow, I would find a building or a town. Now, sometimes what I found was a grain facility, and that didn't work out very well. But other times what I found was the town, the city. And as soon as I found the city, I would know where I was. So I learned how to waste gas that way and how to find my way in the night by just looking for the light. The truth is, we have all lost our way. And what we have to do is look for the light. And it's dim at first, but as we get closer and closer to Jesus, we see it more clearly. And as we're standing in that mirror that shows the truth about our heart and our soul and our life, what we're going to see as we get closer to Jesus is we're not who we thought we were. And He's not who we thought He was. That He loves us despite our flaws. And our flaws begin to show because as light shines on us, we can see What's happening? Have you ever 
tried to get ready in the morning in the dark and then you show up and you're wearing the wrong shoe? Like there's one shoe here and a different shoe here and you're looking at it. and Or you go to put makeup on and the light isn't bright enough. I've never done that, but maybe some of you ladies have. Or your husband says there's a little bit of lipstick on your teeth. You know, you, you rush through the day. You didn't get it on quick enough. You know, you're dealing with that. As we get closer, God begins to shine light into our heart and soul. And what we see is the failures that we have. We realize the emptiness that we have by ourselves. But what comes with that is actually joy. And I know this sounds contradictory, but what happens is, as you get closer to Jesus and he shows you your imperfections, you realize that you are not God and you don't have to be. That you don't have to be pure and perfect. Because he is. That you don't have to uh, be all put together. That you don't have to make all that criteria work. You don't have to be the one that has it all together with the white perfect fence in the front yard and the kids that are always happy at church and, you know, that never mess up. You don't have to be that person because no one is. So come to him with your empty spirit. Come to him with your empty soul, and he says he's going to bless you. The kingdom of heaven is yours. That's good. That's a good word right there, isn't it? How many of you would like to, you know, get a phone call at some point saying the kingdom of heaven is yours? God has already said that to you. He's got you on the line. Let's look at another verse here. Philippians 2, uh, verse 6 through 11. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay? Jesus himself emptied himself to become like you and me in a way. He, he, he gave up the position that he had, the authority that he had to enact that position. He still had the position. He gave up the authority he had to enact the position to be like us. He is the example of this verse that we have. As we read through these Beatitudes, you'll see that Jesus is there in every one of them, and he is showing it through his actions. I love that we have a God that doesn't just say, do this, but he says, I did this. Now be like me. That's good, isn't it? How many of you are, are tactile learners? You have to do it in order to know it. You have to go through it in order to experience, you have to experience it in order to really know it. There's one thing to have book knowledge. There's another thing to have done it. And God has done it. And he's saying, do it like I have. Be humble. Empty yourself. Uh, assume this position, that of a servant. It's interesting in, in debating with, with people that aren't believers or, or looking at discussions that occur with people that aren't Christians, uh, people that, that are atheists or agnostic. A lot of times what they want to say is that Christianity is a crutch. Have you ever heard that before? Christianity is a crutch. Following Jesus is a crutch. I, I want you to know that I don't really think of it a cr- as a crutch. I don't think I need a crutch. You know what I need? I need a motorized wheelchair spiritually. I need 
all of God to help me through it. And while I need to be carried through him, I don't view a crutch as a bad thing. How many of you have ever thought of a crutch as a bad thing? It helps you, right? It carries you through a situation. So to sit there and say that Christianity is a crutch is true in some regards because Jesus is absolutely necessary for us to spiritually walk. Nobody can come to the Father except through him, right? And none of us can walk down that path and that journey except through Jesus Christ. We need him. How many of you would agree we need him? You guys awake? I know this is kind of heavy stuff because we're sitting here talking about how our spirits are broken and how how we're empty. But I want you to realize that this is really good news because what it means is that Jesus fills it. We're not in charge of filling it ourselves. That Jesus fills that tank for us. That he's the one that comforts. He's the one that pulls us in. He says the kingdom of heaven, the keys to the kingdom are here. And this is the doorway that you get in. Because Jesus healed people. He healed their sicknesses. He healed all of their situations. But realize that your suffering, your difficulty that you're going through right now is actually your king. It's your key into the kingdom of heaven. It is the doorway that you are using to walk through because all of us are broken in some regard. And he's saying, that's who I want. Give me the ones that realize that they're broken, realize that they have a need for Jesus. That is who I want. Which is exactly why we're here. You know, I've said it before that, you know, people sometimes say that the reason they don't want to go to church is because it's full of hypocrites. And there's always room for more. That's what I say. Right? Because the truth is we're all broken. We're all trying to go this path. None of us are perfect. And as soon as we meet the person that is perfect, they're not perfect because they're not humble. (laughs) So we run into that. God wants us to realize that we come to Him empty. Can I tell you a secret? Uh, Everybody is spiritually bankrupt. Except through Jesus Christ. Everyone has a negative deficit on their soul because of sin. Because of of this world. Except through Jesus. Now what if I told you today that under your seat one of you have an envelope. And in that envelope is $100,000. Some of you are checking your seats right now. There's no envelope. I don't have $100,000, okay? We're just saying, what if I told you that? All right? There's $100,000 with your name on it. And you get to just take that. That'd be a good day, amen? Praise Jesus, I'm happy if that happens. All right? What if this same day, you get a knock on the door from an IRS agent saying you owe a million? You still happy? Well, you have $100,000. Come on. Why wouldn't you be happy? It's because you're in the negative. You're in the deficit. See, whatever we carry to the cross, whatever we carry to Jesus, is already in the negative as far as what we have done. We're already spiritually bankrupt until we realize that we can't really see Jesus for who He is and what He's doing for us. He's saying, come to me. I want to give you the kingdom. But God, I have nothing. Come to me. It's yours. That's what he's done for you. How blessed are the people who realize they are spiritually bankrupt. See, you don't need 
And you don't think you need the kingdom of heaven until you realize that you need a king. And that's where the submission comes into play. Jesus is the king above all kings. He's the king of this kingdom. And he wants you to be a part of that. He wants you to realize, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the what? Kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Romans 7.24, it's a verse that I, that I stumbled across in, in college and, and it, it spoke to me in, in such a way because it says this, Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And that is speaking of sin as well. And I came to the realization that the only one that can rescue me from this body of death, the only one that can rescue me from my spiritual brokenness is Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. That's what one of the kids up here said today for one of the answers. And you know it's right even if it's wrong because Jesus' answer to everything, right? Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. The King of glory is Jesus. The King of glory is Jesus. And until we really get a hold of that and grab onto that and say, okay, it isn't because I've got this in my account spiritually that I can make it into the kingdom. It's because, no, the King has given me His pass. He's brought me into his presence and he's establishing his kingdom in my heart and in my life. Here and now, you are blessed if you know this. So it doesn't matter if we mess up as much. It doesn't matter. Like I used to have really bad days if I said something I shouldn't have. And I know that I shouldn't have said that. I would sit there and think, well, maybe my salvation is in play or maybe I'm just not who I thought I was. But when I realize I am never going to be as perfect as I wish I was, but God has already established his, his throne in my heart, it changed. And instead of trying to be perfect, I look to the one who already was. And as I did that, I realized that I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to pray. I don't have to go to church. I get to read my Bible. I get to go to church. I get to pray. Big difference, right? If I told Emily, Emily, I have to go on a date with you. Or I told somebody, well, I can't hang out with you tonight because I have to go on a date with my wife. What would the response from Emily be? Not good, right? But because of my love and relationship with her, I get to, I want to. These are good things. And the same thing, it comes to Jesus. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a get-to situation. You get to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, and that's a good thing. That is a very good thing. So my blessedness isn't from my performance. It's found in knowing the king. And my experience with God is found in my utter spiritual bankruptcy because when i realize my utter spiritual bankruptcy i cry out for help let's pray lord uh, we come to you many of us are 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 not empty in that way because your spirit is inside of us because we've already realized our emptiness but lord we do come to you with the realization that there's nothing good within us except for your spirit that we, we do come empty. We come at, at a negative deficit. We come bankrupt in so many ways. But, but God, you placed a credit within us. Your kingdom. You've placed a, a love within us. You've established your throne in our hearts. And for that, we thank you. Lord, as we look at the upside down kingdom in the coming weeks, and as we study this scripture at home and look at it on our own, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to your truth and your love. That we would see that, that it, it 
It isn't what we do or don't do, but it's who we become through the power of Jesus. Lord, help us to realize that the kingdom of heaven isn't something that we're waiting for, but it's something we can be a part of now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that this message will help guide you toward positive, Christ-centered change. By reviewing this podcast, you could be part of spreading the good news. Please also consider giving a donation to our ministry at cometoabc.com slash giving. As always, these messages are available to copy and share on social networks. Until next time, continue to grow in Jesus.